Um, today's uh, passage and sermon comes from two passages. I'm just going to kind of go off of these two passages. The first is John 10.10. 10. So if you guys are following along with your Bibles and your Bible apps, John 10.10. 10. And um, I think we've all uh, heard of this passage many times. I've mentioned it many times in my sermons. But it says, A thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, and so this is Jesus uh, declaring why he's come to to the earth is so that we may have life and have it abundantly. And then Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so um, this, these are the two passages I'm going to kind of um, launch off of as I preach to you guys today. And one of the things that God promises us is an abundant life. Uh, God wants us to live full and abundant lives um, in relationship with Him. And today I want to I want to talk to you guys about how God desires to bring about that abundant life into into our lives. Like it's through Jesus Christ, right? We have the abundant life through Jesus. He came so that we may have life and life abundantly. And you know we have it through salvation. Jesus Christ, He died on the cross for our sins. We're saved. We have eternal life. But God isn't just concerned about our eternal souls, right? Although He's very concerned, you know, He He wants to save our eternal souls, but that's not all He's concerned about, right? If that was the case, as soon as we got saved, we would be in heaven, right? Like, God can do anything. And so, like, if He was not concerned about how we live on this earth and the type of life that we live on this earth, he, as soon as we, like, oh, Jesus Christ is Lord, and then we disappear, and we would be in, you know, eternity and in Abraham's bosom and we would be uh, experiencing Jesus, you know, face to face as soon as we're saved, right? And people, and then, and everybody would believe. They're like, oh, actually no. If some, if Melvin decided one day, I'm, I believe in Jesus Christ and he disappeared, right? A lot of people would still be like, oh, where did he go? <laughs> They'd probably be freaked out and, you know, they still wouldn't believe in Jesus. But um, he's he's concerned more like beyond our eternal salvation, right? Although it's very important for us to uh, be con- you know be saved and have eternal life, God also wants to bring His abundance into our the lives that we live on this earth, and we're here for a lifetime. And although in the the larger scheme of things, it's a very short time that we're on this earth, He is concerned, and and He does want to impact our lives that we live upon this earth. Um, and and he brings abundance into our lives through uh, through different avenues, right? Like you know, like he, he he can just control us. He can he can control us and like, oh, you're gonna be this way, you know, Mina. You know, as soon as you're saved, I'm just gonna make you this way. No, he he leads us and he guides us, right? Through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, um, and and he wants to transform us. And it and one of the ways that he brings about this. Fullness and this abundance is through discernment and obedience. Um, we discern what God's will is for our lives and we obey. And our obedience brings us into His will and His abundance. Um, in a way, ab- discernment is our path to abundance. Right? Um, you know, although we're, we're a small church, we're, you know, we're a pretty small church. I think we're like about 20 people when we're maxed out. Right? But there are a lot of people with a vast array of different Life stages here, right? We have single people. Some of you guys are single, right? Some of you guys are single and from another country. You know, you guys are single and you guys are, you know, this is not your home. 
Um, some of you guys are about to get married. Some of you guys are just got married and um, had a baby, and you know. And some of us are been married for a while, and we have multiple kids, and we're you know trying to learn how to raise them right. But no matter where we are in our life stage, we all have decisions that we have to make, and directions that we have to follow, and paths that we need to take. And in life, the decisions that we make and these paths that we decide to go down and, and the way that we want to, you know, like live our lives, it does impact the kind of life we will lead. And my heart as a pastor is for all of you guys, including myself and my family, to make decisions and to follow directions and the leading that come from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God for us to have discernment, right? Discernment, um, is, is, being able to hear and understand what God has for us. Now, my my heart and God's heart is for you guys to all have an abundant life, and and involves living a life of making decisions and being led by God, led by His Spirit. You know, we find that abundant life by following the perfect will of God for our lives. God's way is perfect is the perfect way. It's not the easiest way, right? Some of us think like, oh, God's way is going to be the easiest way. No. God's way is not going to be the easiest way. It may not necessarily be the quickest way, but it will be the perfect way and the best way. Now, a while ago, I did this thing called Ride Against Traffic. I think it was like four years ago, where a bunch of us to raise money for, uh, you know, again, to, I used to say we, we would raise money for human trafficking, and everybody's like, no, you raise money to against human trafficking, right? We're raising money uh, against human trafficking, you know, to help these organizations that fight human trafficking. Um, it's called Ride Against Trafficking. You know, like about 30, 40 of us got together from Busan, right? And they came down from Seoul with their bikes and we rode our bike all the way up to Seoul. I did that. It was like 470 something kilometers. And it took three days. And, uh, and we, we got into groups. So, you know, there were like groups of five or six people, depending on how good we are in riding a bike up a hill. So there were some teams that, were really fast, and so they left later. And then the really bad teams, we were like one of the first teams to leave because we were like, you know, we're, we were not that good. So we, we, we left, and then um, everybody started to overtake us, right? Because eventually, you know, like, you know, we, we all wanted to get to a certain place around the same time. And so we were riding, and, but we had this navigator, his name was Boyan, and everybody says that we look like brothers, and it's because he's a little chubby. But he was like the best navigator. I was supposed to be navigator, but I told them I don't know how to do it, right? Like, I, like he's like, you just have to read Strava, and I was like, I don't know how to do that, right? And so he he took over, he became our navigator, and he was the best navigator, and he was able to figure out that there are some hills that we have to take, and in in this ride there were three major hills that you had to take. The first one was like a, a five kilometer ride straight up a mountain, straight for five kilometers you had to ride. The really steep hill, the winding going all the way up, and another one was like a four-kilometer one, and then the first one was like really hard too. It was like just windy roads that we had to take. But be, beside that, beyond that, right, there were hills that were unnecessary, right? Like there, because there was an easier way to to get to get to where we needed to go. And so when all these other teams were just like going up these hills, Boyan would look at the little map and think, oh, if we just make a left here and we just ride this bike lane for about three kilometers, we will bypass this hill. And so we'd be like, heck yeah, let's do that, right? And so we, and so we, we figured out that there are certain hills that we had to take and there are certain hills that we, we didn't have to take. And we, we would like, 
like one of, one of my friends, James, he was on the faster one and he would pass us. And then like a couple hours later, we would take a shortcut and then he would pass us again and he's looking at us like, how the heck did you guys do that, right? Like we passed you guys like two hours ago. But we realized that there, there were certain hills that you had to take and there were certain hills that you didn't have to take. They were unnecessary. And, and God being our navigator is like that. He wants to be the light onto our path. He wants to lead us and guide us because He knows what's best for us. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He knows that there are some things that we have to endure and we have to go through. Right? There are some things that we have to, to endure and, 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 and some hills that we have to take and there's also some hills that we don't have to take. There's some things that God doesn't want us to do and doesn't want us to face because ultimately it is the best for us. He, he, and, and following that path, following that direction will always lead us to a place where we have this abundant life in God. A life, a life that's full. It's not the easiest life. It's not the, the richest life. It's not the, you know, like the, always the bling bling and you're not going to always have the best thing, but you're going to have the best of God, which is the best for us. Now, before we move on, I want to define the abundant life for you guys, right? Because, Abundant doesn't mean rich, right? A lot of people think like, and there is, you know, there are, you know, people, church people that are like, oh, if you, if you follow Jesus, you're going to be rich, right? And, you know, I think that's true to a certain degree, right? The wisdom of the Lord would just cause us to prosper, right? And then in some ways, we just make good decisions and we end up, you know, like, if I would have not followed the wisdom of the Lord, right? I would have been an alcoholic, drunk, just living here in, in Korea, just like not doing anything and just barely getting by. And, and you know, like, like, you know, and in that case, you know, following the wisdom of the Lord helped me to, to be able to be married, have kids, you know, have a home, over, a roof over my head. And it just comes from, you know, proper wisdom and, and following, you know, the, the, the goodness of God. But doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be like, a, you're going to be a baller, that you're going to, Get everything that you want. Abundant life doesn't mean that, you know, you're gonna prosper, like, in a sense of like, you know, having all these kids and having this big house. Doesn't mean the things that we desire in life. You know, Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And, you see, I believe that the abundant life that God has for you, is in accordance with the plans that he has pertaining you. And, and, and that plan isn't about necessarily about the things that you have, not necessarily about the things that you do, but it's about you. Like you, the person that you are. It's about you being who you are, God wants you to be. You are his workmanship. You are his, his handiwork, right? These are all the different translations for this but this Greek word is that you are this thing that God has created and He has a plan for, not necessarily for the things that you will do, but for the person that you will be. Right? That is the abundance that God has for you. It's His plan in you the way that He wants you to be. His workmanship, His handiwork. He's concerned with what you are and less about what you do and the things that you have. And being in the perfect will of God isn't necessarily following like this, this, you know, like doing all of these things, but it, it's being the person that God wants you to be.
It's possessing the character and being fruitful in the way that He wants you to be fruitful. You're His handiwork. You're His workmanship. Another uh, translation said, you're His masterpiece. God can give you a billion dollars, right? God can give me a billion dollars right now, right? But it will be worthless to God if I do not know how to steward that billion dollars, right? Have the character to, to not be consumed by it and make it into an idol and to use it for the kingdom of God. Now, you might have your, your understanding of what, of, of what abundance is, but your understanding of abundance might actually lead to your downfall. The abundant life that He wants for you, He's mainly considered about, concerned about who you are, the being that you are. Because the material aspect of abundance, He can bring that in an instant, right? If God wanted to bring abundance into your life, right? Like, no, uh, Melvin, I, I, God's like, I want to, I want you to be, have, have this abundant life, and if it was all about just possessions and, and your position in life and the things that you're doing, He could have just given it to you like that. Make you a CEO of a company, you know, give you all this money, you know, beautiful wife, all these fancy cars, bam, you got it, right? But he's not concerned about that. He's concerned about the person that you are when you're living your life. You are his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. And following him and being led by his spirit, which is discernment and being shaped by his presence and being shaped by his word and being shaped by his spirit will lead us into that place of abundance and fullness. And also the verse mentioned, he mentions good works, right? That we're, we're his masterpiece, we're his workmanship, right? Created for good works. Meaning the fullness of your life isn't going to just be about you doing you, right? Enjoying your life, being secure in your life, having blessings in your life. But we are his workmanship. He's made us to be a certain way that, you know, the good works that the way that he produced, like created us, the way that he wants us to be, produces good works through us. That he uses us. He, his, his plans and his will is carried out through the person that we are and the person that we were becoming. To not just be focused on ourselves, but be focused on others. To be outward focused, doing the things that he's planned for us, advancing his purpose, his will, his plans, changing people's lives. The relationship, transforming this world, you know, taking dominion. He said, you know, go, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion over this world. And because you're doing it with God, your life, right, feels abundant. Right? You may not have that five car, you know, five room bed, five, no, five bedroom house with the three baths and a pool in the back and, you know, all of that. You may not have that, but your life feels abundant because you're Carrying out God's plan. You're doing God's plans for your life with Him. And, and there's no abundance that's greater than that. If you're only inward focused, your life will never feel abundant. It doesn't matter how rich or how prosperous you are. You will always feel lack because you will never feel satisfied with what you find within yourself. People think, oh, you know, like, be all that you can be, you know, like, you know, you know, I don't know the things that Oprah says, you know, like, yeah, empower your spirit, you know, you, you know, everything you need is in you. No! In us, 
is sinful man, right? Is the fallen nature of man. And no matter how much I try to like find satisfaction in myself, I can't find it. It doesn't exist. We will always feel lack. Because without God, you know, like when we look within ourselves, we realize, oh, I cannot be fulfilled with just what I have within myself. Even non-Christians have caught on to this. That's how million, like millionaires get, are depressed, right? Uh, people think, oh, if, if I had like $10 million, I would not be depressed. And you see all these you know, people with $10 million, $20 million, $40 million, and it's depressed. It's like they, they find no satisfaction in life, right? And, you know, and you think like, you know, all these people in, on Wall Street that's making all this, like, you know, they have like, you know, they, they make like, you know, $500,000 a week or a month, right? There are all these huge paychecks and, and they have beautiful wives and all of a sudden they're all filing for divorce and they're, you know, it's just, just horrible lives that they're living. They realize that the things that they produce from within them ultimately doesn't satisfy. Because they're inward focus. And as you focus on yourself, you realize how, oh, there's an emptiness within me. You realize it's never enough. And so, you know, and that's why I was, I was watching, um, Instagram, you know, Instagram reels, right? I was watching, and then Warren Buffett, I don't know if you guys know Warren Buffett, right? He's one of the most like brilliant economic minds. And he was talking about it. He's like, oh, like, it, you know, like money doesn't buy happiness, right? And then, and, and he's basically talking about like, yeah, money doesn't buy happiness, but if you have money and if you're able to like impact people's lives, like that does buy happiness. And I was like, oh, even he's starting to catch on. Like this is this is the the way that God has created us, right? Now even this guy is not a Christian. He's like one of the most like you know worldly thinkers in the world. And even he's thinking like, yeah, money doesn't buy happiness, but it, you know if you have enough money and you're able to change the world, that does buy happiness, right? And in the same way, with, us, with with the way that God made us, is He He made us so that we can have all the things that in this world that we want. It will never satisfy us. But if we're living in within the plans of God, and if we're impacting this world for the kingdom of God, right? And God pours into us all of the resources of heaven, and from us we're we're, we're impacting the world. That's that's the satisfy. That's the abundant life. That's the fulfillment of what God has for us. And that's how we live in the abundance that God has. I used to have this, I used to work, when I first came to Korea, I had to do the army service, and I used to do kongik, which is, um, I don't know if you guys know what kongik is, but it's like public service, two years, I do public service. Right? And then, I, I used to give out parking tickets, right, with these ajashis, they're old men, and we, you know, we would get into a car, and I, and I remember that there was just two guys that we, I would drive around with, and one of the guys kind of chubby, and the old guy, but he would, he would like, you know, do something, and then one, one day I saw him, and there was this like old lady, and he kind of, we kind of went out of our way to help her out, and she was like so very thankful. She's like, oh, thank you so much. You know, and then as we were walking away, I looked, and I saw a tear coming down in his eye. And I, I realized that it had not, it wasn't because something was in his eyes, because Helping somebody, right, impacted his heart in a way that this old Ajashi, right, was not a Christian, right, he, he, he was moved to the point where, like, a tear came to his eye, right, 
And, and he felt so happy, felt so fulfilled at that moment. And if, in a way, that's the way that God has designed man to be. If we're just inward focused, we're not going to, we can have all the things in the world. We will not feel satisfied. But as we're outward focused and as we start to touch people's lives, we are able to find the fulfillment right, that God has for us. But the way that God has designed us as believers is for us to not just help this old lady, but impact the world for the kingdom of God. And that's the type of fulfillment that He has for us. God has created you not just to have things, but to be fruitful. Not just to be rich, but to bear fruit. And bearing fruit isn't about having or collecting. It's about giving away. The way that God designed us is for us to not be like a reservoir. You know what a reservoir is? It's like a big man-made lake that's just filled with water, right? That's not the way that God wants us to be. He wants, He doesn't want us to be a reservoir. He wants us to be a pipe. What does a pipe do? A pipe receives, but then it, it leaves, right? It's constantly receiving and leaving, constantly receiving. It's like a river, right? Constantly water is coming in and it's all water is flowing out. Does it, does, does that mean that the pipe, you know, it, it doesn't have? No, it constantly has water. It's, there's always water in there, but it isn't just sitting there. It's constantly flowing out and it's affecting and it's going out and, and, and being, touching people's lives, impacting people's lives. God has created us to not be like a reservoir, but a, but a pipe. He wants us he wants His goodness and His power to flow through us and to impact the lives of the people in our lives. And He says that we are His workmanship. His, he created us. And He's like, like, Josh, you are my workmanship. You know, like, when Ethan makes something, these days he's getting really good at drawing. And one day he looked on his phone and found this picture of King Kong and drew it, and I was like, dang, this is so good, right? And he, he didn't trace it, he just like looked at it, and he like drew it, and he was, and then, and then he, he, he like, he, he, he thought it was so good, and he put it up on our refrigerator. I, we didn't even have to do it. He took tape and he just put it on there. It's been there ever since, right? Because he looked, he's so proud of it, and he's so like, he's like, oh, it's, I, I, I made this so well, right? And you can see, like, he always asks me, like, what do you think is better? This Godzilla or this King Kong? He's, they're really into Godzilla and King Kong these days, right? And I always tell him, like, oh, it's the King Kong. It looks so great. And he's like, yeah, I think so too, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's how God sees us. He's like, like he sees like Chanel. He's like, oh, Chanel, she's, she's my workmanship, right? She, she's my masterpiece. Like, this is, right? And, and yeah, we might not fit that mold right now, right? I might, I'm not the masterpiece. That God thinks that I am, right? But God sees us as that. And we have the potential to be that as we continue to discern the things that God wants us to do and we live a life of obedience. As we start to obey, we start to be transformed and ultimately we will reflect that masterpiece that God thinks that we are. Now how are we going to live in the abundance to live the perfect will of God, and the key is discernment, it's understanding, it's wisdom and knowledge. All throughout the Bible, we see the benefits of wisdom and discernment, right? There's like, if you just look, do a word search on, on wisdom or discernment, it's just like all over the Bible. And the discernment in the scriptures 
Right? If you look at the word, and if you study the word in both Hebrew and the Greek, it basically means to separate. Right? To separate. To differentiate. The Hebrew word for discern, and there's a different words for it, but most all of them has this prominent like picture of being separate, right? There's a word called bean, right? It's that's not how it's pronounced like bean, like you know, bean burrito, but it's I think it's B I Y N, right? And bean. And it means to separate, to differentiate, to like put space in between things. You know, in, in 1 Kings 3.9 says, give, when Solomon is telling God what he wants, he says, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern his, this people, this, this your great people, right? And that word is being. And it means to discern, to perceive, to understand, but ultimately to put space between things, to separate. And the word has this idea of, of just kind of like setting things aside and putting things and making a, a, a differentiation between things and not letting things mix. In the New Testament, the Greek word is similar. is is diakrino and doked matzo. And both of them, it's to separate, differentiate, right? To judge. A judge takes a bunch of information and eventually is able to discern or separate the truth from all of the, all the rubbish. And it means to examine, to scrutinize, to recognize, and to set apart as genuine after examination. Right? So discernment in the Bible is this imagery of separating and bringing space between things. And that's what discernment does. It separates right, the things of God from the things of our flesh, from the things of this world. What does God want for us? right? What, what, what like, you know, like, there's all of these voices, right? We hear all of this, you know, there's like, when you, when you just kind of think, it's like all of the influences that you have in your life, there's so many. TV, movies, entertainment, media, what you read on the news, CNN, Fox News, right? All these influences, right? And, and the, depending on what you read, you're gonna, you are gonna be swayed by that. You have Facebook, you have Instagram, right? What else? TikTok, I don't know if you guys are TikTok, whatever it is, all these things that are trying to influence you, right? But, you, but to be able to differentiate all of that and, and, and find out what God is saying and what God is speaking over your life, that's discernment. He wants us to separate. And, the, and, and we, we have to ask, like, what does God want us to separate? Right? Is it good and evil? Right? A lot of times we think, oh, it's, it's just about good and evil. Right? And there's this cartoons. You guys all have all seen those cartoons or the shows where this person is trying to think, oh, what should I do? And there's a little angel here and a little devil here, and they're like, ah, you should, you should go and, and you know, party it up, go clubbing. And the other one's like, no, you should stay home and study, right? You guys have all seen that TV, show, you know, those things in the news. And so we think that the decision is always about good and evil, right? But that's easy. Like if, if I ask you, like Meredith, right? What should you do? Should you, you know, go and help homeless people today or go shopping and lifting at Shinsegae, right? Like, like, what should you do? And you, of course, you're like, oh, I should pick what's good, right? But the decision isn't rarely about good and evil. It's usually about good, right? And then, and, and more good or good or different. And, and even our definition of good 
makes no sense to God. Isaiah 64, 6, it says, And all of us have become like one who is unclean and our righteous acts. All of the good things that we think that we do are like filthy rags to God. And, and, and we learn that as we grow in the Lord and as we start to like mature in our faith, the decisions that we're making is less about good and evil, right? It's not so much about good and evil, but it's, it's, it's about God's will and our flesh. And you know what? That's really hard to differentiate. You guys think that, oh, I can recognize between God's will and flesh. No, but you know why? Because your flesh sounds exactly like, you know, God's will. What God is speaking to you and what your flesh seeing to you sounds almost identical. Right? Because it's all in your, in, in your spirit, in your, in your head. It's internal. A lot of times, you know, like, I feel like, oh, God's saying this. But, but when I really kind of look back and think about it, it's my flesh. Because he sounds just like Caleb Lee, right? As a pastor, there's times where a lot of people come to me for advice. And sometimes someone will come up to me and they'll be like, oh, you know what? You know, AJ will be like, oh, I feel like I'm supposed to move to LA and, 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 and go into acting. You know, because I feel like I'm a good actor, right? And I'll be like, no, what are you talking about? AJ, you're supposed to be here in Korea, you know? You know, you're such a godly, God's, God's using you here. God, God has plans and purposes for you here, right? You know, and I feel like I'm being like wise and spiritual in my counsel, but I have to think like, where is this really coming from? It's usually coming from my flesh. Or there's somebody that's like just giving me heartache every week, right? Like somebody that's just like really difficult to counsel. You know, somebody that's always is just like, you know, like, just for me, and then they're like, oh, I feel like I'm supposed to move, and I'd be like, yes! Hallelujah! <laughs> that is the voice of the Lord! How much of that is my, is, is godly counsel, and how much of that is my flesh? Because so many times it sounds just like us. Now, I had, I had a very close friend of mine, and he decided to, to move back to, to their hometown, and I remember at the first, I was like, oh, that's not, that's not the will of the Lord, right? My initial reaction was like, oh, they're not supposed to go. Then the more I prayed and the more I asked, I was like, oh, yeah. I, like, I realized, oh, that was my flesh, right? But initially, it sounded just like me, right? It sounded just like God speaking to me. And so a lot of times, the differentiation, the separating that we're supposed to do, it's not about good and evil, right? It's not about going shoplifting or going to the, to the homeless shelter and helping people. It's about like, whether I'm supposed to do it this way or whether I'm supposed to do that way. Whether I'm supposed to take this job or take that job. Whether I'm supposed to like, you know, like, you know, uh, do, you know go, go down this path in my life. And they're both good. But, but it's, it's whether it's good or whether it's God, right? There's a great book by John Bevere, Good or God. It's what you're choosing, you know, is it just good or is it what God's will is for your life? And we're supposed to be able to discern that. That's what discernment is. And, and I believe that discernment is one of the keys to an abundant life. No, not a comfortable life, not a, just a happy life, but a truly abundant life. And you at the center of God's will and His heart for your life. And it's through a life of discernment. That's why Paul prays Philippians 1 9, and it is my prayer that you love, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Ephesians 1.16 I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you, you he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Right? He's praying like, hey, I, I pray that you will have a heart that is filled with wisdom and revelation. What that is, is a heart that is discerning. That's able to see God in this situation or see not see God in this situation. Right? To have a choice. And it's like, oh, what's God speaking to me? It's a having that heart of wisdom and revelation be able to say, oh, this I, I believe that this is from the Lord. And that's why Moses asks of the Lord in Exodus 33, verse 13. He says, now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. It's because he realized that discernment, knowing God's ways, is better than anything else that he can try to ask God for. Now when we talk about discernment, we have to look at Solomon. He's considered the wisest man to live besides Jesus. And the most discerning man of his time. And as David passes away, David's this, this 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 king who is like a, a warrior king, he has a son named Solomon, he's young. He's only 12, 13 years old when, when David dies and he takes the throne. And God gives him this blank check, right? He's like, hey, Solomon, I'm going to give you whatever you ask for, right? Like, I'm going to give you whatever you ask for, tell me what you want. And Solomon, he, he says, he says, uh, you know, what do you want? And he's like, like, and instead of Asking for riches and power, he asked for wisdom. He asked for insight and discernment. Right? He's like, "Hey, God, like, I don't need, I don't need all that stuff. I just need for you to give me discernment and wisdom in my heart, right? so I can know what, you know, how to govern your people." And God tells him, "You could have asked for wealth and power, but because you asked for wisdom, I'm gonna, I'm going to give you the wisdom and the discernment, and I'm gonna make you one of the richest kings and the most honored king to have ever lived, right?" That, that, that's, that's what happens to Solomon. So let's look at what Solomon says as this really wise and discerning man. It's Proverbs 9.10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 1.7 Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And what Solomon is saying is that wisdom or discernment if you want to live a life with wisdom and discernment in your life, it starts with the fear of the Lord. Psalm 111.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Solomon's considered the most wisest, the wisest man of his time. His prescription for discernment and how to get it is the fear of the Lord. Yes, you have to pray. And it's, the Bible says you have to pray for discernment. You have to pray for wisdom. Yes, you have to ask God for it. Yes, you have to seek after it like silver and gold. But before all of that, the prerequisite for having wisdom and discernment in your life is to have a fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of discernment and insight and knowledge. Knowing God and His ways, right? Knowing and being able to hear God's voice the start of all that is the fear of the Lord. Now, this fear—I'm not talking about—I'm not talking about terror, right? Now, these days, Ethan's been getting a lot of bloody noses, right? And so at night, you know, him and Ezra sleep in the other room, and 
when when Ethan has a bloody nose, he'll he'll come into my room and like this happened twice this week, right? Where I was the first time I was like in bed, it was like 12:30, and I was like watching something on my phone. All the lights are off, and we when and Mina we all sleep with a white noise machine, so it goes. So I can't hear Ethan coming into the bedroom, right? And he comes and he, he he's like a ninja. He walks so quietly. And he just comes in and he stands right next to my bed. And I'm just like watching something on my phone. I see this shadowy figure and I look up and he's just looking at me with bloody tissue in his nose and he's just looking at me. He just taps my leg and I'm like, ah! I'm terrified for a second. I think it's some kind of ghost. I'm like, ah! I don't scream. I just like, oh, you have a bloody nose, right? And then like just on Friday, I was like, Mina was really sick. So I was sleeping in the other room. I wanted her to get good rest. And I like, I was in the bedroom in, in our guest room and I was lying down. And then like the lights on, right? It's, it's like, it's like only like 1130. The lights are on. I'm in the room. I'm just like looking at Facebook and then he just walks and he just stands right by the door and he's with his tissue box looking at me. And I look over and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> like what? Right? I'm, I have this, I'm shooting the terror in my heart, but that's not the kind of terror and the fear that God is talking about, right? Fear of the Lord is like this reverence and awe, knowing that God is everything and we can't live without Him. It's to, to understand His power and His might. It's awareness that we're nothing without Him, but we're everything with Him. That without Him, we can't finish this race that we have before us, but with Him, we can do anything, right? It's like me hanging from a cliff, right? I'm hanging from this cliff. If I fall, I die. And then like Josh like catches me and he's holding on to me, right? right? Like I'm dangling from this cliff and the only thing that's really keeping me from falling is Josh and he's holding me like this. And at that moment, I look up at Josh and I look at Josh and I'm like, oh, right? if it's not for Josh, I'm done for, right? If he, if 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 he, if he, if it wasn't for him, I would, I would be splattered on the ground, right? But that's the way that, we, that's, you know, I take Josh because, you know, he's been working out a lot these days, right? But if that wasn't, if that's the type of reverence and fear that we have, we look at God and we're like, oh God, if, if it's not for God, I'll be done for. I, I'm nothing without God. Right? Like, He's everything. And, and as we have this fear of the Lord, Right? If we don't have God, we're done for. And for everything about God starts to become the most important thing in our lives, right? That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's not being terrified like, oh, God's gonna, God's gonna smite me. Everybody thinks that the fear of the Lord is like God's gonna punish me. That, that's, that's like the, that's really not the fear of the Lord, right? That, that's, that's just like, you know, that's just, just, that's the wrong understanding of God. But it's, it's, the fear of the Lord comes from the fact that, oh, if it wasn't for God, I would, I would be, I would be done for. You know, like, I I would be in eternal damnation. There's, there's nothing, there's no other way that I'm gonna be able to save myself except for God, and I need God. All of a sudden, everything in our life, God becomes more, the most important thing, and, and and we start to walk in the fear of the Lord. Where His, Commandments become like really, oh my goodness, I really need Him in my life. And in order to develop a fear of the Lord, we must recognize God for who He is. We must glimpse with our spirit the power, the might, the beauty, the brilliance of who God is. 
In order to f- develop a fear of the Lord, we must recognize God and, and see Him and the power that He is. And, and those who fear the Lord have a continual awareness of Him. They're constantly aware that He is there. They have a deep reverence for Him, a sincere commitment to obey Him, and a deep desire to be with Him and not apart from Him. Right? As, as Jesus, He's, He's dying on the cross, right? He's, he says like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not saying this because He's in physical pain. Yes, He was in physical pain, but He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because He knew that for, He, He was gonna be separated from the Father for the first time ever, right? And, and He had this, that was the fear, it's like, God, Father, I cannot, I, I do, I don't wanna be separated from you, right? And that's what the fear of the Lord is. Fear of the Lord is a fear that comes from knowing that the goodness and the love of God is, his perfection and His beauty, His power and His grace, His glory and His majesty. And from that place, realizing that He is the Lord and that without Him, we're nothing, but with Him, we're everything. And from that place, from that fear, he, that He is everything, we look at our lives and we all of a sudden things start to change. Right? We look at temptation differently. We look at decisions that we make differently. We make... Like the priorities that we have in our lives change, and and the way that we look at people change, and the way that we look at our interactions with people and our enemies, all of that start to change because we first had this fear of the Lord. Like God, you're everything, and we start to truly seek His voice. Right? When we have a fear of the Lord, we we start to really try to listen. Right? Now, there's times where Mina's talking and I'm just not really listening. Sorry, my love. Happens once in a while, right? right? She'll say something, and I'm like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. But then, like, you know, when, 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 there are times where, like, you know, when we're, we're driving and, and we're, I'm listening to something, and and I'm really like focused on, uh, on like, say it's a podcast or something, and I'm trying to like hear everything that he has to say and everything else. Like, I, one time I, I was driving, and I was listening to a podcast. And I was so like concentrating on the podcast, I, I, I got to my destination and I was like, how did I get here? Has, has that ever happened to you guys? Have those of you guys you drive? Like you're listening to something and, and you're just like so intent on it, like, oh, it's so interesting. All of a sudden you get somewhere and you're like, how did I get here? That's the way that we're supposed to look, try to hear God's voice. We focus on Him so much that all of the other things in our lives start, start to just kind of like pass away and all we can hear is what God wants for us in our lives. And we start to truly walk in the fear of the Lord. So how do we have this fear? How do we grow in the fear of the Lord? And I just want to say that there is no shortcuts to this. And the fear of the Lord can only happen in true relationship. You can be terrified of God outside of relationship, right? There's a lot of people, there's a lot of Christians that are terrified of God and outside of relationship. You can be scared of the Lord from a distance, right? But you can't truly have a fear of the Lord without true relationship, from truly knowing Him. It's because the fear of the Lord is birthed through holiness and through His presence. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. So our holiness comes from His holiness, right? It says, 
Be holy for, for you know, like, be holy for I am holy, right? Holiness is something that we can't produce on our own. No matter how holy that I try to act, right? That I can't produce holiness in me, right? No matter how nice and how godly Melvin is throughout the day, without God, there is no holiness in him, right? It's only, the holiness that we have is a reflection of God's holiness, right? It's through his word. It's through his presence. When we find ourselves in his presence, all of a sudden, right, you know, like he says that we're holy and that's how we are able to be holy. It's through his presence, right? And as holiness is the key into his presence, right? And you might be asking like, you know, like how does that make sense? If I need holiness to be in God's presence, right? But the only way that I'm going to have holiness in my life is to be in His presence. How does that work? And it, 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 the answer is grace, right? Because because we are able to approach His throne of grace. So through the grace of Jesus Christ, we're able to be in God's presence, right? And God says, you're holy because I am holy. And that's how we're able to find and, and have holiness in our lives. And, and holiness is a place where we're able, we're going to be able to find the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord leads us in this discernment and wisdom, and it guides us and shapes us and forms us. But it, it can only come from God's presence. It can only come from the holiness that God decrees on us as we enter into His presence. How do we enter into His presence? Through grace, through His Word, through prayer. Through, through, you know, meditation. And God says, you are his workmanship. There's no, you're his masterpiece. God sees you and sees you as his masterpiece. It's not based on what we think we are. It's based on what he thinks we are. And he wants us to have discernment. He wants us to have the mind of Christ. A new heart that's transformed by his presence. And, and, and a fear of the Lord that, that prioritizes everything of God in our lives. And there's no shortcuts to this. There's, there's no shortcuts. And sometimes I wish there was, right? I wish that, you know, I, I was like, God, I just want to be holy. <laughs> God, I just be in your presence, God, I just want to be holy. And a lot of, sometimes you can, you can, you know, you can experience that. Like when you feel really crappy, some of you guys, there's times where I just feel like crap. I just feel like, you know, like God, I feel like God would never have anything to do with me. I feel like crap. And I just have to repent and, and, and claim God's grace and I'm in His presence, right? And in His, and in His presence, God says, oh, you're holy because I'm, I'm holy. And I'm able to find that connection with God, right? But if you want to have a life where, where you're tr- being transformed by the power of God and you're being transformed by the presence of God, there's there's no shortcuts. You have to seek out relationship with Him. Have genuine encounters with Him in His Word, in His Spirit, in His presence. And as we continue to be in His presence, we, we start to see that we are the masterpiece that God says we are. We're living the life, the abundant life that He has for us. And it's through the fear of the Lord, as we fear Him, as we walk in His presence, as we are able to discern the things of God over the things of our flesh and over the things of this world, 
are able to live in that place of abundance. God has His plan for you, and it's for you to live an abundant life. He He wants you to He wants your life to be full. If He wanted to just save your soul, He would have done it in an instant. We'd all be in heaven right now, right? And you know, like none of us, there would be no need for us to be here if God was only concerned on saving your soul. But no, He wants you to live in this world and live a life of abundance and fullness. And, and to be fulfilled by Him and to make an impact for His kingdom upon this world as we are discerning, as we fear the Lord, and as we're able to see ourselves as the way that God has created us to be. Let's pray.